Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Move Forward podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Moss, and we are continuing a series on peace for violent times. This is part three. Last week, we talked about how in the midst of conflict, Jesus comes through the door, the locked door, where we have been locked inside because of fear. And he says to disciples in every age, let not your heart be troubled. We talked about how he isn't talking about just us having a matter-of-fact attitude and resigning ourselves that we're going to be afraid or having some kind of philosophical idea, but it was actually a new way of being because we would have the Holy Spirit and he would give us this thing called peace. We've been talking about for the last few weeks how we're in such an interesting time with the pandemic and and that things are about to open up and we're only in the early stages and we don't exactly know how it's going to go and we don't know what kind of economic fallout there's going to be and there's all kinds of political noise and even prophetic noise and there's all kinds of people saying all kinds of stuff. Oh, have you heard the latest um, conspiracy theories? I know that I've heard a million of them and, um, and you know, I want to keep my mind on Jesus. I want to have peace in this time. It's not that I don't want to have an understanding and a knowledge of what's going on so that I can make wise decisions. I want to do that. But in a time like this, I don't want fear to become the driver of my bus. I don't want anger to become the driver of my bus. I don't want depression to become the driver of my bus. Meaning, I don't want those things to be the things that cause me to make decisions in my life. I want to have the peace of God, the peace of Christ, so that those things are underneath my feet. I have rulership and authority over those things so that I can hear information with a peaceful heart and so that I can evaluate them with wisdom and understanding and knowledge. I can get more research. I can look at things uh, with a, a balanced approach and understanding and then I can make my decisions so that wisdom and the Holy Spirit is the driver of my bus. Are you understanding? This is why it's so important for us to have peace in this time. Because there is something important going on here. And there is a lot of change happening here. And in the midst of that change, I want to have the peace of God that surpasses understanding so that I can make good and wise decisions, not only for myself, but for those around me, for my family, for my neighbors, for my church, for my ministry, for those who look to me for leadership. And I know you want that too. And so we're talking about what it means to have peace. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. What is trouble? Well, according to the Greek in that passage, trouble actually means confusion, distress, and disturbance on the inside of you and on the outside of you. Listen, let's not be confused about this. Satan only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He comes to bring fear and intimidation through lies and accusations. He likes to bring us anxiety and stress and stir up difficult circumstances and suffering 
in us and around us so that we will be worried and insecure and we will feel that everything is a hardship. Listen, the disciples in this time, we've been talking about John's chapters 14 to 16. And in those passages of scripture, the disciples, obviously, and when you, when you really look at the context, they lived in a world filled with frustration and anger, violence, and death. They were hated, they were persecuted, they were mocked, and they were ridiculed. And now in our time, we are Jesus' disciples. And Jesus said, right? He said, I know you remember this, that there will always be wars and rumors of wars and there will be earthquakes in diverse places. And see, so the enemy, he comes to steal our peace by magnifying the trouble that we face so that we become confused, disturbed, and distressed, so that we become afraid, immobilized, and we throw away our confidence. You know, that's my favorite passage of scripture in all the Bible, Hebrews 10, 35 to 39. It says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence for it has a rich reward because you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what is promised because he who is coming will come and he will not delay, right? My righteous ones, they live by faith. And if you shrink back, I won't be pleased, but you're not of those who shrink back, says the Lord. That's that passage of scripture. He wants us to throw away our confidence. And what is that word confidence? Do you know that word confidence in the Hebrew? It act, I mean, in the Greek, it actually means a bold, believing trust in the Lord that is so bold and believing that you are compelled then to prophetically announce that Jesus is real, he's alive, and what he says is true. <laughs> it's beautiful. Don't throw away your confidence. Everything that Jesus is and everything that Jesus said about the world, about himself, and about you and to is true. It's real. You can stand on it. That's your confidence. I'm not confident in my own in my own skills. We're not to be confident in ourselves. We're confident in who Jesus is and who he said we are. And that gives us confidence. So what is the world in this passage? He said, you're going to have trouble in the world. In this world, you will have trouble. Well, in the book of John, it's really a who. Did you know that? The world is really a who, not a what. It's anyone who opposes Jesus. It's all, it's all the opposition to Jesus. It's those who oppose the kingdom, demonic and otherwise. It's religious tradition and culture. It's all those who believe they're serving God by opposing you, by killing you, by mocking you, by ridiculing you, by shutting you out, by isolating you, by pushing you away, by rejecting you, by, by hurting you. It's political and unbelieving powers and cultures that don't understand the way of Christ and don't really care about people and are only self-serving. It is the Antichrist spirit. That's the world. But Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. And don't let it be afraid. In the world, you're going to have trouble. But I've overcome the world. You see, he, he laid his life down for the world. You know, we take some of that scripture and we go, well, you know, we're going to take up our guns. And we're going to come against the world. And no, no Jesus, Jesus died 
because he he was laying down his life because he wants the whole world to come to him. And so the the violent taken by force, you see, is not actually the violence of the world. We don't engage in that kind of violence. We understand that we're going to be persecuted, mocked, ridiculed. We're going to be um, come against. We're going to be opposed. We're going to be rejected. We understand that because he said, if you're my disciples, they did it to me. They're going to do it to you. And he said that we're going to face hard times in the world because of the enemy. And we're going to face hard times because of sin and sickness. You know, we live in a fallen world. And so all of these things are the trouble in the world that we're going to face. And yet he still says, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What is he really saying here? <laughs> in the Greek, he's saying, don't be, a don't be a coward. Don't give in to timidity. And to the Hebrews, you see, the heart, don't let your heart be troubled. To the Hebrews, in scripture, the heart is the governing center of a person. It's the place where your will is engaged and your decisions are made founded on what you really believe. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let the governing center of your life, the place where you make decisions, don't let the belief system of that place be troubled, be timid, be cowardly. The trouble of this world, see, is not to be allowed to enter into our hearts, to change its belief system and no longer be secured in Christ and have faith in him and his word. Are you understanding? I hope so. It's so important. You see, if we allow that to enter into our heart and change our belief systems and we no longer trust Christ stand on the rock, right? Jesus said, didn't he say that those who build their house on the rock, then when storms come and the winds blow and the, and the rains come down and lash the house, it will stay standing. But if it's built on the sand, not on the rock, meaning the sand, meaning the shifting understanding of every wind of doctrine and philosophy in the world and not on the truth and the rock, the solid foundation of our trust in Jesus Christ and what he said and who he is, then we will be driven by insecurity and anxiety and panic. And this will overtake us. And we will no longer be able to think clearly. We won't be able to use wisdom to respond. We will instead be reacting out of our emotions. What kind of decisions will we make? Will we make decisions in alignment with who God is and what he's saying and what he's doing? I doubt it. And so Jesus says, fear not, I have overcome the world. <laughs> It's not denial. It's not denial. You know that denial is actually a coping mechanism. You know, some of you know that I was a nurse long before I became ever became a pastor. And we were taught about the stages of grief. And the first stage of grief is usually denial. Why? Because 
It's too much for us to grasp and we feel threatened in our heart and our mind and even in our body. And so we enter into something called denial where we, we won't, we just won't look at it. We just won't believe it. We just won't accept it. And so when we, when we go there, see, then it's a coping mechanism because we are afraid it's too much. But Jesus was never in denial. Our God is not in denial. He understands suffering and pain. Throughout scripture, he deals with suffering and pain head on. He never, he never looks at what we're going through and is like, oh, well, you know, I don't think that probably hurts very much. He know he understands. I love the book of Ruth. Have you ever read the book of Ruth? I love how it starts out with two women who lose, well, three women who lose everything. Ruth, Naomi, Naomi and Orpah. Husbands die and children die, and they are in bitter pain and grieving. And the Lord never says, you know, get over it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He never does that because he's not in denial. He knows that we suffer and he knows that we get afraid and he understands our human condition. He understands our human experience. He understands our humanity because he created it. And so with that, he's not asking us to be in denial. He's not asking us to pretend that things are just fine and go on our merry way. He's, he's not afraid of facing your pain, your disappointment, your anger, your bitterness, your grief, or your feel, fear. Why? Because he can comfort you in the midst of it, stand with you in it, and he can heal you. And he will give you peace. Jesus will give us peace. Instead, Jesus comes and he validates and he affirms the truth about what we face. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. He's validating the hardship. He's validating the things that we face that are threats to our very life and well-being. Isn't it interesting that in, in the midst of that, Facing that, he wants to give us peace. And peace is shalom, which is well-being. He knows all the threats to our well-being. And he comes to give us the antidote for that. He knows that we can't control it and we can't hide from the trouble that comes to us. But he also knows that the reality of a situation is never the end of the thing. <laughs> It's never the last word. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Do you know that Jesus is called the Word of God? He is the beginning and the end. He always has the last word. Our situations, our circumstances, the troubles, they never have the last word. Jesus, he has the last word. And so the ending is really this. The last word on the situation about the trouble we face in the world is that I have overcome the world. Why can he say that? How can he possibly say such things? Because he's God. He is the truth that sets us free. His death and resurrection has removed the sting of death and secured our eternal future. He who is in you, the Bible says, is greater than he who is in the world. 
So anything the enemy can throw at us, anything that Satan can throw at us, anything that sin can throw at us, anything that sickness can throw at us, listen, he who is in us is greater. Isaiah 9, 6-7 says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. We know the reality of the present and the future. You know, and at this point, many throughout history have decided the best way to handle violence, trouble, and opposition is just to separate themselves from the world. You know, go behind those locked doors and never come back out, never engage, never be the solution, never be the heart in the hands of Jesus. After all, it has been overcome and he's returning. So, you know, we should just hide out until all of this passes and Jesus returns. Stick to ourselves, mind our own business. But this is not what Jesus had in mind. (laughs) We're not victims. We're not on the defense. We are on the offense. What he's saying in this passage of scripture is take heart, take courage. You have a kingdom to advance. We are supposed to be the ones who do violence to the kingdom of darkness. We have a call and a mission to fulfill. We have a task, and we need to be about our task. And so Jesus is saying, for the task ahead, remember that I have already gone before you, and I have established the future victory. And in the meantime, in the midst of the opposition and the danger and the threats to your well-being, I am going to pour out my spirit to empower and equip you. I'm going to give you my peace. It's amazing. Really, it's amazing. And he says, it's my peace that I give you. I don't give you as the world gives you. It's my peace I give you. I love that. He says, my peace, not world peace. Remember in in John 14, 27. Let's go back and read it. Let's see. John 14, 27. Again, this is, that's my Bible you hear in the background. Let's see. John 14 and 27. Let's back up to verse 25 because I love this. I just love this. He says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, my Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. (laughs) Beautiful. My peace I give to you not world peace. What was world peace? Well, in that time, in this day, to this audience, in the book of John, it was the Pax Romana. It was Roman peace. And that kind of peace was gained and sought by military might. It was gained also through materialism and wealth, power and success. It was gained through the government, the governmental rules and regulation. It's gained through demanding your rights and your justice in the culture. Sounds a lot like our world today, doesn't it? World peace. 
where we rely on the government, we rely on our possessions, we rely on our education, we rely on our finances, we rely on our good looks sometimes, we, we rely on our prowess and our power, personal power, we rely on our skills and our talents, we rely on those power relationships that we have so we have influence, we rely on military might, but see, you see, the peace that Jesus gives, it's not dependent on any of those things in the world. You're not going to need to labor to get these things to have the peace that he gives. The good news is you don't have to wait to have any of these things before you can get the peace that Jesus gives. It's a gift and it comes through Christ and his grace because he loves you and he knows what you need and he's going to give it to you without charge, without rebuke, without reproof. What does all that mean? It means he's not going to make fun of you for needing it. He's not going to chastise you or punish you. He's not going to make you jump through a bunch of hoops to get it. He's not going to make you prove him, prove yourself. He's not going to make you work for it. He's not going to sh- he's not going to make you prove that somehow you're worthy of it. When you belong to Jesus, when you accept Christ into your life and you give your life into your into his hands, You receive the Holy Spirit as a gift and a peace of God. And the peace of Christ is yours as a free gift. Comes with a package. We're going to talk about this again next week, but I want to pray for you right now. Comes to my mind that some of you have been working really, really hard. That this time hasn't been a time of of going home and having time on your hands. It's been, a, it's been a time of hard work, harder than you've ever known. It's been a time of people invading your space, going behind locked doors, fighting off those thoughts that plague you every day, and then the worry of what might come, and then, of course, the worry of trying to incorporate a whole new way of life homeschooling your children or working from home, having double work because half the people in your corporation were laid off and you have to do the work that was left behind. Or some of you, you have no job at all and you're not sure if your business is even going to be there when you get back. These are all threats to our well-being. And some of you feel like you don't have any strength left. Some of us, we have relied on our, on our possessions and our education and our influence and all of that for so long that now with this, this whole thing that has happened, we fear maybe that the momentum is gone and we'll have to start over from the beginning and we feel like we have no security and the rug's been ripped out from underneath us. And the last thing that we've had is peace. Some of us, we've come to a place where we're asking, is God really real? Because I never asked him into my life before. I never wanted him to be a part of my life before. Because you were able to get everything that you needed by military might, which means your own power. Forcing your way in or demanding your rights or 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 
uh, working hard and so receiving the finances that you need and you could buy anything you want and life was really good but now everything has been shaken and you're wondering where's my security where's my peace because those things haven't given you peace any longer right now you could just open your heart say Jesus come in I give you my life I see that I have dependent on everything else and all of these things can be taken away. And I see now that you're the only thing that can give real security and real eternal life. And I know that I have rejected you, and that's sin. I ask you to forgive me for my sin and receive my life. And I receive yours. And I say now that you'll be my Lord and my Savior. I want to follow you. And will you come into my life and into my heart, and will you bring me peace? And will you bring your Holy Spirit and empower me and give me the well-being that I need in my heart and in my mind and in my belief systems so that I can find the way forward, your way forward, because I see now it's the best way forward. And if you're praying that prayer with me right now, I'm going to ask you to find somebody you know that knows Jesus and tell them, that you prayed that prayer and that you've accepted Jesus in your life and you want to learn how to be a Christian and you want to know how to walk in peace. For those of you who already know the Lord, but you've gotten a little bit, uh, you've gotten a little, a little bit sidelined by your job, by the pandemic, by your achievements, by the government, now's the time to center back. Focus on Him. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. Would you make the adjustments in our heart and our mind that need to happen? Would you bring us peace so that we can make our decisions with wisdom? Will you bring us peace so that we can wisely understand all of the information that's coming, Lord God, in all regarding all of the trouble that's in the world right now? And Father, we say with you, we will fear not because you have overcome the world and we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are so good and you are so kind. We're so glad to be in this with you rather than without you. In Jesus' name, amen. I bless you and I look forward to seeing you next week when we talk again about peace for violent times.